Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. Good, so we're going through Ephesians and um, just a quick recap on, on last week. Yeah, let's recap quickly on last week. Last week we looked at uh, chapter 2 verse 9 um, or we read from verse 2 and we went on to verse 9 and we really saw this amazing, amazing picture of God's plan from the beginning of time. Um, the song that we said, uh, the song that we said, you're man of your word. And um, God's, God's word has been sure from the beginning of time and it will be sure until the end of time. And there's one significant thing that God promised, and we see this promise to Abraham. Look at this in a in a in a in a moment in this morning as well. But we see this amazing picture of God's plan from the beginning of time, and it's His Spirit living inside of man, perfect union, perfect fellowship with man, with you, with me, unbroken fellowship. I love our Romans six verse ten. I think it's an amplified classic. This this picture of. As Jesus is enjoying unbroken fellowship with God, so we can too enjoy unbroken fellowship with God. Unbroken means it's unbroken. Nothing can break that. Now, maybe in your mind, you can think it's broken. And then to a degree, experience brokenness because of your belief system. Because right, our belief system is super powerful. What we believe about ourselves. Um, uh, King Solomon wrote about this. As a man thinks in his heart, so easy. So if you're going to believe something, it's going to affect your relationship with God. That's why it's super important what we believe and that we believe in accordance with the Word of God, which is the nature, the character of God. God. And we saw this beautiful picture of from the beginning of time, God's Spirit living inside of us, living in us, not just among us, because there was a God, uh, there was a time where it was God, Emmanuel, God with us, and Jesus was walking the earth with the disciples, but it's no longer God with us as a, He's kind of there and I'm here, but it's God in me now. That's a big, like, that's a difference because there's no separation. There's no disconnect. I'm connected with Jesus 24-7. I might not experience that connection 24-7. But God's not ESCOM. He's never on load shedding, kind of disconnecting us. Or He's always switched on. He's always alive. He's always ministering continually. And as soon as we realize that, and at any given moment that we switch on to that, we'll receive something and we'll experience something from God. Amen. So that was a quick recap. You guys can get that online this morning. We are going to get into Ephesians chapter uh, 1, and we're going to pick up from verse 9 and then go into verse uh, a few verses from there. Okay. I'm reading from the Passion Translation, verse 9 to 11. But also one thing that we often also struggle with is in, in our belief system and what all of, of man, Adam and Eve, and them kind of just messing up things and kind of wrecking the whole plan that God had. The awesome thing is that they didn't wreck anything in the sense that God always had a plan. Like he knew, like, when someone makes a mistake, he knows he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna make a way for them to, to come out of this. And he made a way for us. So from the beginning of time, 
God knew what his plan and his purpose was, and it was always the, the Spirit of God living inside of man. So when Jesus came, Jesus didn't just come to fix up things or restore things to its original, but he came to set us up for what God intended from the beginning and so much more than that. Because every person on the face of the earth is born into sin, sin with an inclination, with a drive to sin, compelled to sin. But because of what Jesus did and us receiving that spirit, that, that slate is washed clean. Clean, clean, clean. Not just your past sins, your present and future ten sins as well. And you receive a new nature, a new spirit that now compels you to want to live righteously. That drives you to want to live righteously. Now you might not be all that compelled on a regular basis to, to live righteously. But whenever you do end up sinning or making a mistake, the amazing thing is that the Holy Spirit convicts you of your righteousness. Sorry, I just want to... Just want to take this jacket off quickly because I'm getting super hot now. Um, so the awesome thing with, with the Spirit of God is that He's, He's there with us, ministering to us 24-7. And we've got that righteousness of God inside of us. All we need to do is realize that and let it out. So Ephesians 1 verse 9 to 11 says this, and through the revelation of the anointed one, he unveiled his secret desires to us, the hidden mystery of his long-range plan, which he was delighted to implement from the very beginning of time. And because of God's unfailing purpose, this detailed plan will reign supreme through every period of time until the fulfillment of all ages finally reaches its climax when God makes all things new in all of heaven and earth through Jesus Christ. Through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. Before we were even born, he gave us our destiny that we would fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. Now that's awesome. That's beautiful. That's powerful. We got into some of this last week. Like I said, there's this, this beautiful picture of a long-range long plan. Like I said, from the beginning of time, this was the plan of God for His Spirit to live inside of us. Paul writes about this, Colossians 1.27, that the mystery has been revealed. And we'll see this mystery coming up throughout Ephesians as well, that there's been a revealing of the mystery. Not a creating of the, 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 the mysteries unveiling in the sense that now something new was created. It was always there, but it was a mystery to the people of the old. The scriptures, it was an, an, uh, uh, a concealing almost of the mystery, of the secret that God had, this plan that he had. And then Jesus comes in and we see the, 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 his ministry in the Gospels is, is kind of the unveiling of this. There's, a, there's something coming. There's like, they, they're getting glimpses of, of what is happening. And Jesus uses the scriptures, John 5, 39, Luke 24, uh, uh, in the last part of the passage, he uses the scriptures just to open up their understanding so they can see that the scriptures are pointing to him. They're helping them to see that it's about him. From the beginning of time, it's been about Jesus coming. The purpose of Jesus coming wasn't just to kind of be a nice guy, but it was for this nice guy, the, the, man, the, the man of God in the flesh, the uh, God in the flesh to be manifest and to be the sacrifice to pay for the sins of the world and to fulfill the Old Testament to bring it to completion, to fulfill the law. 
And through that, through his death, his resurrection, and the outpouring of the Spirit, this plan has been revealed. It's been uh, unveiled. And that's the mystery of God that has been unveiled. It is the Spirit of God living in man. But it's awesome how it's, uh, it's, it's painting this picture, verse 10. And because of God's unfailing purpose, this detailed plan will reign supreme through every period of time. And then it talks about reaching a climax when God makes all things new in all of heaven and earth through Jesus. Through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as his own inheritance before we even born. Now, two things here. Firstly, that there's a, a reappearing of Jesus coming where we are going to receive perfect bodies, perfect minds as well. So if there's any kind of challenges in your mind, whether it's uh, unbelief, whether it's um, wrong thoughts, you're not going to have that. When Jesus comes back again, there's going to be a redemption of that. Praise God. Anyone excited for that? I'm excited for that. Amen. No more doubting myself. No more thinking that I'm not worthy when I'm doing X, Y, and Z. No more second-guessing myself at all. So in that sense, there is still a completion coming. But it doesn't mean that what God has planned and what has already taken place through Jesus, that there isn't a, a, a part of that completion that we can experience right now and see a manifestation of the things that are still coming even as well. The authority of God through the believer, working signs, wonders, and miracles. There's a time and purpose for those things. Because there's a time coming where we're not going to see any of that anymore. We're not going to get to heal the sick because there's not going to be sick. We're not going to get to renew our minds because our minds are going to be renewed. So up until that point, we get to partake of these things, renew our minds, pray for the sick, see the manifestation of the power of God through us as daughters. Amen. We want to see this. We want to experience this because this is part of God's plan. But then it's also talking about this. We got into this a little bit last week. and. Uh, some, some people go a little bit pear-shaped with uh, the teaching of predestination, what they meant, and um, we're not going to get into that fully this morning, but all I want to say is just because God knew what was going to happen didn't, doesn't mean that he planned for it to happen. That's as simple as I can say it without complicating things. Just because I know at a given time, say for example, just because I know how Chris is going to respond in a specific moment, because of something happening, just because I know how he's going to respond, doesn't mean I made him to respond that way. That I forced him or manipulated him to respond that way. God is our Father. He created us. Yes, he knows as a holy God, as an almighty God, how we're going to respond to specific things. But he didn't force us or manipulate us to respond in specific ways. That's the easiest I can put it. If, you, if you've got any confusion about predestination, what does that mean? And like, how does this fit into the picture? You can come and chat to me afterwards. Jumping down to verse 12 and 13, it says, That we should be the, to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Now, verse 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. This is awesome because, again, like I said, the... the the greatest glory, the greatest praise that you could ever give God is a surrendered life. What does that mean? That doesn't mean you need to go into the mission field and kind of give up everything. That's not what it necessarily means, right? If that's a calling and a burning in the sense, a desire in your heart, then you're going to love going there. Oftentimes we're like, oh, I don't want to pray for God's will over my life because he's going to send me to India. 
He's going to send me to uh, Timbuktu and I don't want to go there. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. When we have relationship with God, when we're delighting in Him and we're having fellowship with Him, and it's just this, this perfect love relationship, He's going to birth certain things in our hearts. And maybe India was never on your radar. And then all of a sudden you're thinking about the children in India and you're thinking about, man, how, how, how you can go into that area and be light and darkness. And, and there's just a, such a desire. And then things start happening. And before you know it, you meet someone from India who's a missionary. Like, wow, and they invite you to come over. Like, things just start happening. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, He gives us desires. He gives us things to desire. He doesn't give you the Ferrari, the Ferrari that you've desired for 20 years. That's not what it means. It means that He's birthing specific desires in your heart that is linked with His heart. That is what it's talking about. And that's what we get to see. So verse 12, when it says that we should be to the praise of the glory of Him who first trusted in Christ, this is a beautiful picture that we who believe in God is giving praise to God. We who are trusting God is giving praise to God. And that is awesome that we get to by believing in God, giving so much praise to God. And as we do that, there will be an overflow of a life transformed, not a life saying the same. Certainly says, in whom we also trusted, after that we heard the word of truth. This is powerful. You can only trust after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation. So this is very important. Romans 10, it talks about, how can they hear without a preacher? How can they hear without the message being proclaimed to them? How can they hear without someone being sent to go and tell them the gospel? This links in with that. You cannot receive the word. You cannot receive salvation without hearing the gospel. Because it's only by grace through faith that we are saved. The gospel is the grace of God. It's the... It's Jesus coming to die for the sins of the world. Jesus coming to die for you. So that you don't need to live in your sin, but you can be set free from your sin and live a life of victory. Live in perfect union with, with the Father. So we heard the word of truth after you heard the gospel of your salvation in whom after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. This is very simple, right? Preach the gospel, believe the gospel, sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the gospel, guys. That is, that is the life that we want to minister to people. That when we believe, when we hear the gospel of our salvation, of Jesus Christ, we can only believe in it and we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The New Living Translation says, And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you and when you believe in Christ he identifies you as his own or again as the King James it talks about in some translation it talks about a seal being put on you and the awesome picture of a seal it's a it's like a it's like a mark it's a it's a it's a um, it's a special marking on someone when you receive the spirit of God you are marked with the spirit of God you are sealed with the Spirit of God. You've got the approval of God. You've got, it's like if you send out a letter in olden days and there was a specific seal of the king ring uh, or whatnot, it was approved by the king. It was ordained by the king. You are marked with the Holy Spirit. You are jam-packed and fully loaded, sealed with the Spirit of God to be his representative, to be his ambassador. You don't need 500 degrees 
to show that. You've got the Holy Spirit to show you. You've got the Holy Spirit to reveal to you that you are a son, you are a king, you're an heir of the throne. You've got the authority to work signs, wonders, and miracles by the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's sealed you. He's marked you. A man, a man can't mark you. I can't mark you. I can't seal you. The Spirit of God seals us. He marks us. He is the ministry of conviction. Convicting us of what? John 16, of our righteousness. He convicts us of our righteousness. He's ministering truth to us because truth sets us free. Truth enables us to walk in freedom. Truth enables us to not be bound by our sin. To not be uh, uh, confused about who we are. But we get to know whose we are, who we are, and that enables us to walk in so much freedom and boldness. So the requirements for salvation is very simple. Hear the gospel, believe the gospel. Christianity is this picture about our union with God. It's a picture about not becoming like God. It's a picture of realizing how much we've been made like God. Even from the beginning of time, Adam and Eve, Made in His image. We are made in God's image. That image has been broken. But it's been restored through Jesus. And now with the Spirit of God living in us, we've got God DNA. God DNA. doesn't matter what you do, your DNA can't change. Spiritually speaking, it's been changed. It's been changed into God DNA. Holy God breathed DNA. And like I said this last week, as much as you can't be changed from a human being to a dog, you can act like a dog, right? But you can't change your DNA to be a dog. You can put a tail on yourself. Even surgically speaking, it's not going to make you a dog. You might look like a dog. But that is not going to change your DNA. As a born-again child of God, your DNA is God. It's holy. It's righteous. You've received the power of God, Acts 1 verse 8. That power is, it's, it's ability, it's supernatural God ability. It's not natural ability. It's not like the power to be able to bench press 180 kilograms. It's supernatural. It goes beyond the natural. That is your DNA, the Spirit of God in you. Ability, power, and the power is there for purpose. Not to just kind of swing from the chandeliers and uh, jump around and... Have fun, but it's to have an impact in this life. To live a transformed life. Do not kind of just settle for mediocre, but live a life that you are blessing to your community. Live a life that whenever you come in contact with someone, whether it's someone on the street or whether it's someone at the petrol station, whether it's someone at the shop, that you're not waiting for the crowds before you start being an ambassador. You're not waiting for the the pulpit before you start representing Jesus. You're not waiting for the mic before you start releasing power. But you walking in power wherever you go. Because guess what? When you leave this place, Jesus isn't staying behind you. The Spirit of God is going out with you, in you. But are we going to let Him out? Are we going to switch on to the power of God in us so that He can actually minister through us? This is something we need to awaken to. We need to awaken this. And we see this beautiful um, passage in Colossians 1 verse 28. Paul writing about this and the passion really puts it beautifully. Colossians 1 28 and 29 says, Christ is our message. We preach to awaken hearts and bring every person into the full understanding of truth. 
It has become my inspiration and passion in ministry to labor with tireless intensity with His power flowing through me to present every believer the revelation of being His perfect one in Jesus Christ. That should be our ministries. Presenting every believer His perfect one in Christ, His complete one in Christ. Colossians 2.20 We are complete in Christ, but people don't realize it. People don't believe it. People think I still need to X, Y, and Z. No. If you believe the gospel, it's the gospel of your salvation. Have you believed that? Yes, you are sealed with His Holy Spirit. You are marked. You are ambassador. You are jam-packed, fully loaded to go out and preach the gospel, to go out, lay hands on the sick, and see them recover. You've already got it. You've got the Spirit of God. Now, release it. That is the ministry of Paul, and that is our ministry as New Testament believers as well. To seek, to bring every believer into this revelation of being His perfect one in Jesus Christ. Ephesians verse, well, before we uh, go, go back to Ephesians, just wanted to look at Galatians 3 verse 13. We talked about this, <clears throat> about the long-range long plan that God had. Galatians 3, 13 to 14 says, I'm reading from the King James. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the Lord, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Firstly, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, and everything that was linked to that, it says, being made a curse for us, for it is written, curses everyone that hangs on a tree. Then verse 14, all of a sudden, goes on talking about the promise and the blessing of Abraham. What Jesus accomplished for us, this is vitally important. What Jesus accomplished on the cross is what we're talking about right now. He accomplished one specific thing. And because of that one specific thing, there are various other things available to us to operate in. But there's one specific thing that Jesus accomplished specifically on the cross by becoming a curse for us, by fulfilling the law. He came to make available the promise of God. One promise, not many promises. Now there are many promises that we can hold on to, right? Because of the one promise. But we need to remember when we're ministering the gospel, it needs to be a specific message. Not a message with a bunch of add-ons. Because then we're diluting. Even if it's good add-ons, we need to make it about one specific message. When Jesus uses the scriptures and John, uh, and, and John and Luke, he talks about the forgiveness of sins. He talks about redemption from sins. A life forgiven. So there's one promise that was made to Abraham, because a lot of times people believe about verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. They're thinking money, material possessions. Last week we dissected the word blessing a little bit and looked at the different meanings of the word blessing. Here in context, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive what? The promise not of money, the promise not of a lot of livestock. Abraham had money. Abraham had livestock. What was the promise? The promise of the Spirit through faith. We need to understand that the promise of God from the beginning of time was for His Spirit to live in man. 
And when we, when we come to know that as the gospel, that spirit is the power of God. That spirit is the power of God to heal the sick, to raise the dead. Romans 8 verse 11, you receive the same power, the same spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead is living inside of you. That is the power of God, the spirit living in the believer. But what Jesus did on the cross is forgive you of your sins and made available for you to receive that very spirit. Do you guys see that the cross was a specific accomplishment? It was for the spirit of man to live in, or the spirit of God to live in man. That is the promise that God made to Abraham. It's a beautiful promise. It's a beautiful picture because I've been there where I've, Romans chapter 4, I've made Romans chapter 4, where it's talking about uh, Abraham, it's talking about Sarah through faith. They did this. They didn't grow weak in faith. They considered not their own bodies almost dead, but they held on to the promise. I've made that about a lot of things that the scripture is not talking about. I've made it about believing for an awesome wedding. I've made it in believing for an awesome house. But what is the scripture talking about? When it's talking about Abraham and Sarah's faith in believing God for the promise. It's not even Isaac. It's the spirit of God living in man. That is the promise that Abraham and he didn't even see it come to pass. He saw it spiritually speaking in Hebrews 11. We've looked at this a few times. In Hebrews 11, it talks about the great wall of faith. And it's beautiful and it's awesome. And we're talking, we sing by faith, Abraham, by faith, Moses, by faith, uh, uh, David, by faith, Sarah, by faith, uh, Noah. All of these amazing guys, great wall of faith. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 just quickly again. It says, by faith, they accomplished all of these amazing things. And says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11, verse 39. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith. So they obtained a good report, right? They, they are known for doing something good. They accomplish amazing things. They obtained a good report by faith. Received not the promise. It sounds sucky, right? Man, well done. You're not going to receive the promise. You've done amazing things, but you didn't receive the promise. Oftentimes as believers, we kind of fall back into that trap of like wanting all of these things, forgetting about we've received the promise. We want all of these things and we want to kind of manipulate the, the word of God to, to kind of fit our, our frame of thinking and our lifestyles and all of these things. But we forget that we've received the greatest promise of all time. The one promise that God made from the beginning of time, what he desired from the beginning of time is his spirit living in us. And guess what? When you come acquainted and you come intimately uh, uh, um, in relationship with this promise, with the, the, the spirit of God and in communion with him, guess what? Your life is going to be transformed. You're going to start walking in so many blessings and so much favor that you won't be able to contain it. But we're not looking for those things as if it's, it's God is handing out golden eggs and it's like this, this kind of slot machine mentality when it comes to relationship with God. But we come to know that we are intimately intertwined with God's love, with His goodness, with His Spirit, because that was His promise from the beginning of time. And by coming to know that, things are going to happen in our lives. You're going to share testimonies without even trusting for things. You're just going to you're just going to walk in union with God, knowing that this is God's nature. This is his will for my life. 
and there's just going to be a manifestation of awesomeness. Amen. We see in Ezekiel 36, this prophecy we made, and it says 27, And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. That's awesome. People, religion has said we need to do X, Y, and Z in order to show that we are the children of God. We need to be holy. We need to stop sinning. We need to pull away from sin. Ezekiel's prophecy is so profound. And you, I will put my spirit within you. Guess what's going to be the byproduct? And you will walk in my statues and you shall keep my judgments and do them. When you know and you're walking in love relationship with your heavenly father, he's busy transforming you. Through his word, the washing of his word, his ministry to you. Jesus talks about this, the beautiful picture of the bride and Christ and to wash us with his word. We need to be washed with his word. That is when you get together, you are washed with the word this morning. When you get to have personal devotional time this, this week, Jesus is washing you. The Holy Spirit is washing you with his word, ministering truth to you. Because of that, there will be a life change and a transformation. Not by focusing on it, but because the Spirit of God is living in you and living through you. We see this throughout the word and all of these, these scriptures we are God's temple. His temple. The easy to read version says this, 1 Corinthians 3, 16. You should know that you yourselves are God's temple. God's spirit lives in you. This, this building isn't the temple of God. No longer is there a physical temple as in a, a building, a construction. The physical buildings of God is the children of God. It's me, it's you. His spirit is living in us. We are the holy of holies. We are the dwelling place of God. Now, man, we need to pray. And as Paul prayed this, and this prayer comes up in the end of chapter one, we need to understanding. We need revelation of this. Because until we get revelation of this, until we get understanding of this, it's just a cool message. Just an, just an encouraging message. Wow, and that's encouraging. Wow. This is not, it's not an encouraging message. This is, this is life changing. This is God's word. It's incorruptible. It's got the power to change this nation. Literally. The word of God's got the power to change this nation. But we need to, as believers, firstly, before anyone else wants any of this, we need to show that there's something different about us. We need to desire that. If we just settle for, man, at least to heaven, if that's what you're settling for, man, don't be that guy. Because the body together is going to accomplish everything that God designs for us. Not Etienne, not David, not Stephen, not Naomi, not the individual, but the body collectively. When the body collectively, every member becomes switched on to the reality of their Christianity, to the Spirit of God inside of them, regardless of your background, regardless of your skin color, regardless of whether you studied, whether you haven't studied, regardless of any failure, any physical challenge you might have, regardless of those things. But you know the Spirit of God inside of you and that you start bearing fruit of love, fruit of compassion. For people around you. When you start to acknowledge the cashier packing your packages. When you give them a word from God for them. That is when people come to see that the Christian is different to 
the Muslim, to the Hindu, to whatever other religion there is in the world. There, Christianity isn't the religion. It's, it's the life. It's the Spirit of God living in man. But we need to awaken to this. Otherwise, it's not going to do us diddly squat. If it's just nice words, if it's just a nice message, if it's just an encouraging word, wow, that is super encouraging. It's doing something to me. Take it, receive it, plant it in your heart. Go and meditate on it. Holy Spirit, show me how I am truly the righteousness of God, how I am truly not condemned, but I'm set up for life of victory, that I'm your loved, I'm your beloved, I'm chosen by you to go out into my workplace and actually be ambassador of you. To love my co-workers when they're treating me horribly. To bless them when they're cursing me. To speak well of them. If they are sick, that I can pray for them. If their family is sick, I can pray for them. Seek for opportunities to demonstrate the love of Christ and to be a witness. Witnessing the power of God in my life and through my life. Amen. In closing, verse 14 and 16, he's given to us like an engagement ring is given to a bride. Talking about the Holy Spirit, he is given to us like an engagement ring is given to a bride as the first installment of what is coming. He is our whole promise of a future inheritance which seals us. We have um, seals us until. We have all of redemption's promises and experience complete freedom, all for the supreme glory and honor of God. Because of this, since I first heard about your strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your tender love towards all the devoted ones, my heart is always full and overflowing with thanks to God for you as I constantly remember you in my prayers. Now again, to link in what we've talked about earlier on, there is future promises coming, like I said. Glorified bodies, glorified minds, no, no more stinking thinking, praise Jesus. No, none of that. So there's those things that are still coming. But the awesome thing is right now, we are married to God. We're married to the Holy Spirit. It's not like we just engage, even though the Passion took it as a, um, talking about it. It's the, the, the thing with the Passion Translation, there's a lot of poetic licensing to the Passion Translation. How it's translated, it's actually more defined as a commentary. It's a beautiful commentary and it's an awesome commentary and you use it often in, in church. But in accordance with translations, as in a, a technical thing, it's not really a translation as the King James is or as any of the other Bible translations are. So when it's talking about an engagement ring, it's not necessarily the picture of an engagement ring because that kind of gives us the impression that we're not really married to Christ, which we are married to God. Um, it's perfect. It's a dandy. We are married. We are his bride. Amen. We're not his fiance. Amen. <laughs> We're his bride. Um, so that, let's not get confused with some of these terminologies. Um, but why I use the, the passion, passion translation specifically is because it creates us, it does create a good picture of like, cool, we've received something, but there's still something else coming. And we've identified what that is and how that looks like. Okay. Um, because of this, verse 15, because of this, um, we've received the promise, we've received the Spirit. Because of this, since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your tender love towards all His devoted ones, my heart is always full and overflowing with thanks to God for you as I constantly remember you in my prayers. What was Paul encouraging and thanking and remembering the church of Ephesus for? 
strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your tender love towards all his devoted ones. Strong faith in the Lord Jesus, not strong faith in a whole bunch of things. It's strong faith in one thing, the Lord Jesus, trusting in him. And there's a whole bunch of things that we can like have strong faith in and for and this and that. And like I'm not diminishing trust in God and really pushing into believing for something. But that needs to come from having strong faith in one thing. Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God living inside of you. Being fully convinced, utterly convinced, fully persuaded that the Spirit of God is living inside of me. Because He's living inside of me, I can have strong faith for anything else that God has made available for me. But it's strong faith in one thing, Jesus Christ. And Paul was commending them for having strong faith in Jesus Christ. And then because of that, like anything else, there's an overflow. An overflow of what? And your tender love towards all his devoted ones. This is powerful. I pray that we're already and we're growing in being a church that has strong faith in Jesus Christ. And that strong faith is producing a life that people can see our tender love for one another. Really and truly. And all of us are different places where you're kind of growing into understanding like, community, understanding family, understanding like, cool, what does that look like practically speaking? We're growing in these things, right? Because all of us have busy lives. All of us tomorrow is going into a busy life, so to speak. We're going back to a specific work or if you're not currently working, you're going to go do something tomorrow. So there's, there's a whole bunch of things that we are doing personally Monday through to Friday and then Saturday you've got your stuff happening. So it's not to put a burden on us because the desires and the plans of God is never burdensome. Especially not if we're doing it with Him. Take my yoke upon me. Learn from me. I'm humble. I'm gentle. So if we're doing it with Jesus, when we're doing it with the Spirit of God inside of us, we're going to do things that might seem uncomfortable and might seem like a, a burden. But when we're doing it with God and it's by His leading, it's going to be a blessing to us. It's going to be a blessing to the people around us. But this tender love that Paul is commending the church for, I really pray that there'll be an awakening of even more tenderness towards one another, to every believer in this community. And maybe you're still checking us out. I want to ask you to not just check us out, but pray about, is this my family? God, have you called me to this family? So that you can plug in, so that you can actually start pouring into the people around you. Because until you're plugged out, you kind of, it's like, and dating is quite ungodly to be honest why is it ungodly because it creates a whole bunch of different pictures of like okay cool they're quite nice la, 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 la. i don't like that i'm out so then you're out and then you're like okay this one yeah, they're nice i don't like that that's out like, and then you quit again then before you know it you've you've created this mindset of dating and you're in and out of relationships and then you get married then life gets tough right See if I know me nodding there, like Madeleine and uh, Chris. <laughs> Chris is just laughing. He's not going to get into trouble. Um, and then you've created a mindset of quitting when it, gets, when it gets tough, when it is getting difficult. And so in, in, in church and in this family, I want, I want you to stop dating different local churches and ask God, is this my family that you're calling me to so that you can start pouring into this family. 
And every one of us have to make that decision at some point. And I'm not forcing you, like if you want to kind of just be on the outskirts, you're welcome to be on the outskirts. But man, are we going to be blessed by you choosing to be part of and to, to plug into this. And man, are you going to be blessed by that? Because we're going to see you as someone who we can like also pour into and, and, and just lead one another. Hey, be submitted to one another. I can't be submitted to you if I don't even know like whether you are with us. Because there's an invitation to be submitted to one another, right? As we are submitted to Christ. But we can't really do that effectively if we don't know where you are at. So I want to invite you to that because from there, we can really show tender love to one another when we know who's part of this family and can we really family one another and love one another. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.